If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Why, hello everybody and welcome to We Say Things episode 224. <coughs> Suns fan here with Cinderin. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm all right, Shannon. How are you? Great. Do you have the stream on right now? I do. Look I at do. this. Describe what's happening to the audio-only listeners, okay? Okay. You are moving your microphone stand. You turned. Oh, the camera is following you as you move automatically. Incredible, isn't it? <sighs> oh, you're making a really stupid <sighs> face again. Very good. Oh, that's nice, though. That's pretty cool. Looking at you, Cinderin. This is awful. <laughs> yeah, if you're an audio listener, you should go and check <sighs> the video on this. You will regret it. It's good. Good camera. Mm. Thank you to Nikki. The Christmas present <laughs> that finally works. I don't know why it just started working all of a sudden, but here we are. Thank you also to our beautiful patrons in the InBruge tier. Thank you to STGC Daniel. Humbled bookmaker recommends Relic Arena. Thank you. Please do a belch instead of reading this name. I can't belch on command. Mr. I love the That's not true. On command? Yeah, you can do it. I mean, I can burp on command. Belch. Uh, okay. I mean, that's spur of the moment. It's just a lot mm -hmm. of moments that I have. Uh, Mr. I love the NBA seg segment. Seconds. I wish Valve ran the NBA so they could lifetime ban this free throw boosting bullshit. Yeah. The, the refs are pretty bad in the NBA. I won't lie. Uh, Pepperballs, T-Coil, Q-Ludes is ready to praise the podcast, Stupid Copilot, Lab Dota, Yatoro does it again, Cinderin, Magdev, Games for Falling Asleep recommends that Cinderin plays and then recommends Project Diablo 2, also that Valve gives marketing, and Disco Farm D. Yeah, so I've heard about Project Diablo 2, and I have suggested to play it to some friends that play path of exile and have played diablo 4 and stuff but it didn't really catch on i don't really think i want to play it on my own i think for me to enjoy diablo 2 it needs to be multiplayer but thanks it's a good recommendation i do want to play it uh the mega pope zan xavier nate thicko zero one hamscroats yatoro does it again cinderin shark tm janie dop nothing to see here ivremont ben broomhead loves the nba segment ben go back to chasing rats and key arena Wooden Aftertaste, Anonymous, and Reindeer Sea in Ultraviolet, spotting snow patterns and identifying predators effortlessly, Mr. Niebling. That sounds pretty fucking metal, actually. Yeah. Seeing in Ultraviolet. It's pretty legit. I'll do that. Yeah. Thank you guys for your support, as always, in the InBruge tier. If you want to be a patron of any tier, you can check out patreon.com slash we say things. That's right. There's Very good. different tiers, and this is the highest one. That's right. It's the most that prestigious, of course. Mm, yes. 
Okay, we have a few things to talk about. Uh, we could have put this at the end, technically. Uh, eh, whatever. Uh, I have a couple of recommends and not recommends, Cinderin. Mm -hmm. uh, I do not recommend the movie Napoleon. What a dog sh What a pile of absolute dog shit. I, <laughs> I went in having no expectations. I didn't know. I, I figured it would be maybe okay, actually. I thought it would be okay terrible the it felt like every so this is like a i don't know two hour maybe it's two and a half hours whatever it is movie about napoleon coming to power and all the stuff he did and it spans over so many years every scene on average felt like it was 20 to 30 seconds and that was like a year span that's okay. how i felt leaving them or after we finished watching them like the scenes would just be so fast is trying to sum up all this bullshit in his life. He's a very interesting character, and I feel like maybe you just target a certain point of his life and just do it that, I don't know. And the thing, okay, I don't know if you have the same issue with movies. When I'm watching what? a movie about somebody from France, why does mm -hmm. nobody have a French accent? Why is it always fucking British? Like what, you can't find actors that have French accents? Like how difficult is that to learn? I think. It's ridiculous. I think the reason they do it this way is that there is a perception that it's going to turn off the audience from wanting to watch the movie. Okay. That's my guess. Well, because, like you said, it's easy to find people that can have a French accent. But I'm assuming that's why, is that you want the main characters to be clear and easily understandable. Right. And that maybe people just think it sounds annoying if people speak in a foreign accent. So that's my best the, guess. Here's the thing. All these movies do it. So at a certain point, I can't say, why did this movie do it? Because they all do it, right? Mm -hmm. So I can forgive that, even though I wish that they would just go with the French accents. The thing that really took me out of it is that Napoleon, a.k.a. Joaquin Phoenix, has an American accent of all the fucking people. He should be the Frenchest of them all. He's an American accent. And I'm like, can Joaquin Phoenix... The Frenchest can, of them all. Can Joaquin Phoenix... Like some sort of scale. <laughs> it, well, fucking yeah. binary. <laughs> French or not, dude. What are you talking Cinder, about? he's the most French of all because the movie's about him. He's all about France, okay? And then I was okay. thinking, can Joaquin Phoenix not... Is he incapable of doing a British accent? And I was like, didn't he do one in Gladiator? And we looked it up. Yes! He did a British accent in Gladiator. So the, this is an artistic okay. choice to have the main character have this fucking white trash American accent. It was so awful. It's so he stands out, Shannon. It's so that people can easily identify Napoleon. It's Napoleon. He stands out anyway. He's the shortest guy in every scene, for God's sake. Good Lord. It was just... That took me out. That pissed me off, actually. And then the movie itself wasn't very good either. So This is, the, this uh, is my secret to, to avoid watching bad movies. You just don't watch movies. I mean, that's a stupid take. How about that? Hmm? That's a very stupid take. I will recommend it. a movie uh, called, I'm not saying everybody's going to like this movie, but it's called The Holdovers. I thought it was very well done. Paul Giamatti is in it. It has a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. User audience score of 91%. It's about... That's uh, oh, very new. Yeah, it's, uh, he just, I think Paul Giamatti just won a Golden Globe. I think it's what it's called uh, for this. Uh, it's about a what is it like it's almost like a boarding school or something like that and Paul Giamatti is one of the the teachers and he's supposed to be looking after people uh, during Christmas break the, those that don't have people to 
uh, like a family to be with or whatever. And he ends up hanging out mm-hmm. with this one kid. Uh, and it's just, you know, there's no point in me even talking about this. So it's extremely well done. Just look at a trailer. I would highly recommend it. This was one of the best movies of the year for me. Uh, it's definitely not like other movies I would recommend. I'll say that. But uh, if you think the preview, I think they did a really good job of capturing the, I think it's in the 70s. They did a really good mm-hmm. job of making it feel like it was actually in the 70s. So, Is that because he's speaking with a French accent? or uh, He has a regular American accent because they're in America oh. and it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, I think this movie... I think, I think he should have a French accent if he's in the US. That would be good. Were there Oscar nominations yet? This has five Oscar nominations. Okay, here. yeah. Paul Giamatti is legit. It's one of my favorite actors. Yeah, the movie's called The Holdovers. Uh, very good. Okay, uh, I know people were asking about this. This will be super quick. Uh, I did a sleep study a few weeks ago. Yeah, put all this shit on my face and my, hooked up to my chest and every. I don't know. They, I was supposed so to. So, what was the motivate? What was the motivation behind this? Was this something you volunteered for, or did you get asked for some reason? Or yeah, Nikki says that uh, I snore a decent amount. Uh-huh. Of course, okay. part of it is me just getting fatter. And my, my sleep has been not great, I guess. It, for the, like, ever since I was a kid, it's always felt like I needed 10 hours, 11 hours plus of sleep to feel okay. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm old, I'm realizing that's not normal. <clears throat> and <coughs> yeah, so I just wanted to get it checked out for sleep apnea and whatnot because other people in my family have had it. And, you know, mm-hmm. sleep apnea, the thing I think about, and this has happened to me a couple times, but it's not like it's a regular thing where I'll wake up in the middle, like something will startle me or I don't know, like I'll basically stop breathing for <laughs> a few seconds or however long and I'll wake up uh-huh. like <gasps> like that and just taking a big deep breath and that actually wakes me up because I stopped breathing. Uh, so anyway, they, they said it might be a good idea to check it out and mm-hmm. they hooked up all that stuff to me. It's just all over my body. Like it's like... I asked him, can I sleep normally? Because I like sleeping on my chest. Like, I know you're not supposed to technically, but it's just I like to. They're like, yeah, you can do anything you want. I, you could barely turn in bed. It was a nice bed, though, I have to say. Very nice bed. Mm. And uh, I went in at 8 a.m. to sleep because of my schedule. I'm like, I can't go in at 8 p.m. There's no way I'm mm-hmm. sleeping at 8 p.m. I stayed up a few hours longer, went in at 8 a.m., and I slept till like 5 or whatever. And he said mm. that, if the sleep apnea was bad enough that they would come in the middle of the night, wake me up, and then hook me up to a CPAP machine to see how I react to that, but they never did. So okay. doesn't sound like it's that bad. Anyway, that was a few weeks ago. They have not returned my calls. Uh, I don't think they'll get back to me till March. So my guess is they're going to say, yeah, you can have a CPAP if you want. Yeah, there's, it's a mild case, something like that, which will be disappointing because then I don't have a real fix potentially for my, so the- my issues. So they give you a bit of immediate feedback, but then the detailed feedback takes three months or what's the, oh, because my, the, the next appointment I could get was in March because they are like mega booked. Oh, okay. I see. Like to get the sleep study, I had to wait like three, four months to begin with. I don't know okay. why they do this this way. It's awful. I'm surprised that's that popular. It's gotten to the point where it's extremely popular because there are a lot of fat people here, Cinderin. That's fair. CPAP machines are going to be very important going forward. So yeah, just, uh, you know, if you guys have sleep issues, just probably a good idea to check that shit out earlier than when I am. You're up, Cinderman. Yeah, have you heard about Pal World? Of course. 
Okay, I was surprised you didn't write this on there, actually, considering how big of a story it kind of is. Um, oh, because I didn't play it or you... anything, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Palworld is this game that's taken basically the world by storm in the last two weeks. It came out in early release on January 19th, and I think I played it the first time on January 21st or 20th with Susie. We've been playing uh, just the two of us on a on our own server. Um it's essentially a game that is... This is kind of turning into a Cinderin Recommends, which isn't exactly what it was meant to be, but I'm having a lot of fun with it, so I don't mind um, suggesting people play it. Um, think Pokemon meets Valheim meets Guns, kind of. Guns? I don't remember uh, seeing Guns. Yeah, so the way the game works is that you start out on a you just land on an island you have basically nothing you need to build shelter and then you need to start catching pals as they're called in this game and then you're step by step building up your camp um and you can employ the pals to help you work so they can mine for you they can cook they can help constructing things um they need food they need sleep they need you know like standard stuff essentially um to function, and then you can use them in your active team that you have around with you in the world for fighting or for uh, exploring. So essentially the game has these... It's, it feels very rewarding to progress your camp and to explore and to conquer more and more difficult fights and to find new pals in this game. Um, and I can see why this game is so massively popular. It's kind of crazy, actually. The game came out less than two weeks ago, and it's the second most played game on Steam of all time in terms of peak players. Behind uh, what? Beat, uh, PUBG? PUBG, yeah. Uh, which I guess followed a similar trend where PUBG came out, and it was stupidly popular a few weeks in, right? Yeah. And then it lost popularity. And I think that's going to happen with this game as well, because I don't think this game has massive longevity. I don't know how you're going to, as the devs, keep this interesting for months and months, but not every game needs to be like that, right? If, you, if it's fun for 50 hours, if it's fun for 100 hours, um, that's completely fine. Not every game needs to be played for thousands of hours, like Dota. Um, and I think they priced, if I remember it correctly, I bought this game for 26 euros, so it's priced as like half of a AAA title, if even, like 40%. Um, so I would say compared to that, it's really good value for money. And I would say if you buy this game, play it with somebody else. Don't play it alone. I think it's way more fun in multiplayer. Um, and the way you can configure it to play privately works very well. And this is early access, actually, officially. But it's been, for the most part, surprisingly bug-free and fleshed out. Like, mm. They actually did a very good job with the release. And I think they... The biggest problem they had was that they were completely overwhelmed with how popular the game got. Like, you're never ever going to predict that your game makes this big of a splash. So they needed to have like some sort of, I think they had some emergency meetings with Epic to get a lot of server capacity. Because <laughs> like, oh shit, our game has 2 million concurrent players. I don't know what you plan for, you know? Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's a very fun game. Um, There's some controversy though, right? Yeah, so the, I don't know this in a lot of detail. I mean, the first obvious controversy is is this is there copyright issues with Pokemon, right? Where it's like, mm -hmm. can you 
are some of the systems that they've implemented and the way the Pokemon look and feel and their personalities and stuff, are they too close to Pokemon? Where I would argue personally, no, uh, but I don't know legally how much you can own, uh, to what extent you can own the concept and the likeness of the Pokemon. It's like, let's say Pokemon has a cat Pokemon, right? Meowth. And then this game has a cat Pokemon that looks very differently from Meowth, but it's still... You know, within the scope of things, you're catching this Pokemon in the wild with a sphere, it's called in this game, which is a Pokeball, right? You're <laughs> catching that, and it has moves that are completely different uh, from Meowth, and it's a different color, and it's a different look, but it's still a cat caught in a ball. There's obviously similarities in inspiration, but I don't know where you draw the line with when is it actually yeah. plagiarism or not, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's some of the controversies. And then this one I don't know so much about, but I've heard that there are some... I don't know if you've heard this too, about uh, AI-generated assets or something in the game. Um, yeah. This I, one I don't know if it's confirmed or if it's just uh, speculation, but... I don't remember. I, I heard something about that, and I heard something about how some of the models maybe were... Like, if you look at the actual polygons, they're very similar, if not identical, to some stuff that... Is either was it either AI or was it Nintendo Pokemon? I don't remember. Mm. Uh, but yeah, there's. I haven't. So this is where it gets difficult, right? Let's say. Let's say the silhouette of a Pokemon uh, and a Pal are almost identical, but everything else about them is very different. It can be hard to tell that it's actually stolen from somewhere, right? Unless you deep dive into it, because. Mm -hmm. everything else about it looks different or if um yeah not the silhouette or perhaps a part of it is the same like if it has the same tail but everything else is different or it has the same face i feel like if the face was the same it would be very recognizable right yeah um but i it hasn't struck me i haven't played i've played this game a decent amount now i think we've played like 30 to 40 hours and i haven't had a moment where i'm like okay yeah this is just a blatant copy so for me that hasn't triggered but that doesn't mean it's not the case right so i can't sit here in good faith and say yeah this game is completely clean don't worry about it mm -hmm. uh but to my knowledge there hasn't been any um Nintendo has got a, sh a shitload of mail about it, obviously, and they've essentially told the community, please stop mailing us. We're looking at it. Uh, but to my knowledge, they haven't filed anything. I think, right, but I, I feel yet. like if it's, it's going to get filed... They want to do it well, obviously. Yeah, it's going to take some time. It'll take a while. That should be really interesting to see if they do anything, because Nintendo is very trigger-happy with that kind of stuff. So They love their IP very much. I mean, Pokemon is the world's largest IP, right? So it's understandable you want to try to protect it. Um, but yeah. Yeah, but Nintendo do so, come off as giant douches, and I think a lot of people are rooting for them to not... Uh, for PAL to get away with it, if it actually is a thing, or... I think... I think most of the people that are rooting against Nintendo and stuff like this, or just in general with their, are are people that are into esports, right? That's I true. think most most casual players that just enjoy Nintendo games and have fun with it. I don't think they have any problem. The people that have beef with Nintendo are the ones that were really into Smash or um, just like to see people compete in games, and Nintendo effectively just shut it down Man. every time, even though the games are very suitable and fun. For Imagine it, right? if they made Mario Kart for esports. Do you know how yeah. fucking huge that would be? Not only I'm, in the amount just, of people, but the type of people you bring in. It's like a gateway to the rest of 
esports titles, you know? I I just genuinely am trying to wrap my head around this. It's obviously easy for us when we're in it. I just I flat out just don't fucking understand how it's not good for business. I just don't get it. Like are you worried that if people start playing your games competitively that people will be scared of playing them casually and won't buy them? Or like I know a lot of the higher ups at Nintendo are very old, so they might not be as much in touch with the modern games in that sense. And if they have a lot of power about what happens in this, if this is like an executive decision every time and they just shut it down, then I can't imagine there aren't people employed at Nintendo that are kind of pushing or want this, right? Want mm-hmm. their games to be competitive? Because yeah, I don't know. It, it seems to work so well for every other game, right? When, when you get a big esports scene, it's just good for the game. And Nintendo's games would be really good at it. You know? A lot of them would be. Um, so yeah, that, that one's a mystery to me. I just genuinely don't know. But what can you do? Yeah. Yeah, so that's Pal World. Uh, it's fun. Try it. You should play it with Nikki, maybe. I don't know if it would be a game for you, uh, though, actually. Yeah, I think we both know it's not a game. I mean, I, yeah. I can appreciate people enjoying games like that, but not yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, so I guess first thing on the agenda is we can actually talk about the ESL Birmingham after this topic since... Uh, yep. So Betboom Dacha Dubai is occurring very soon, and it's going to affect the podcast for the next few weeks uh, because I will be going. Uh, talent was already announced, but they never... I think it was on like a whatever the Russian equivalent of Twitter is. I can't remember. Is it starts with a V, right? VK. Yeah, I guess. I don't. I didn't see any actual posts about it anywhere else. But anyway, I'm going, and I'll be casting with uh, your boy and my boy by association, Kezu. So uh, should be fine. I have not been back to Dubai since I was a little kid. That's when this is how old I am. There were I don't remember there being skyscrapers <laughs> or anything there. Oh, it was wow, just okay. fucking desert. So that's going to be a very interesting experience. Uh, but, so I'm going to be is there for... for is, are you a five-man crew? It's very small. Six, I think. I just see it. There's five... There's a five-man crew listed on Liquipedia, which is you, Kezu, Lacoste, B-Cup, and Nat T. And that's it. Yeah, the six will be, I believe, Jenkins. <laughs> I see. Okay. But he wasn't announced. I, I get that. I well, think it's better. He's better left unannounced. Yeah. Um. Well, Effie was announced, but she had an emergency come up, so uh, people are going to be very oh, disappointed. Oh, so he's a replacement. See, I see. I yeah, see. they're going to be very disappointed to see Jenkins there instead. <laughs> uh, anyway, looks yeah. Like the, uh, sorry, it looks like the Russian uh, broadcast is quite a lot more fleshed out. There. Yeah. That's how there the thirteen-man uh, crew. For Jenkins this. was at the last uh, Betboom tournament. Uh, mm-hmm. I forget when it was, like last year sometime. And he said it was kind of the same thing. So yeah. I don't know All what right. to expect from like a tournament organizer standpoint, but I'm very excited to be in Dubai because like I said, you know, I get to have shawarma. I can find some nice shawarma places mm. again. That should be yes. nice. But it will affect the stream, uh, the podcast, I'm sure, because I'll be there for two weeks. And then... I mean, there's another event coming that's not announced with the talent, but I'll be going to that in some capacity. And there's a week in between these two events. So there's no point in me coming back home. I will be gone for five fucking weeks. It's the longest I'll be away. Uh, Damn. 
Where are you going to go in the week between? Uh, I believe I'm going to visit. We talked, of course, you and me, Cinder, mm -hmm. and you said I could not come. To <laughs> that is just completely <laughs> wrong paraphrasing. You, you said about. you should not come to Denmark. I, we don't want to see you. <laughs> uh, I'll be in Estonia. It has very... So Buka oh. is in the area, so I can hang out with him. And the hotels are Wait, very somebody cheap. somebody who? Buka. Oh, he lives in Estonia. Well, he's, you know, he's all over the place, but he'll be in Estonia okay. during that time. Oh, I see. Uh, okay. And I looked at the hotel prices for like really nice hotels under $100 a day. I'm like, wow, that's yeah. okay. So, so yeah, going to be doing a lot of traveling. So I don't know what the schedule for the podcast is going to be like, because I don't know what my setup's going to be. I know that the last two weeks, wherever I'm going to be, uh, we will have a computer. So I will be able to stream the podcast. Yeah. But... In Dubai, I probably will not have one. I'm bringing my tablet, which cannot stream. So worst case, we'll just locally record it and upload it. And then same thing when I'm in Estonia. I have no idea what my internet's going to be like or anything like that. We will so. keep you guys posted. Yes. I guess. Yes. Uh, but yeah, should be a good tournament. I'm excited to see some of these teams for the first time, like OG and their lineup with Ari, Team Falcons. Pretty packed tournament in general yeah it's gonna it's it's like all tier one teams so should yeah. be a good one just it's a 12 team tournament with spirit liquid lgd and bet boom aurora and gaming gladiators and extreme gaming those seven teams were direct invites and then the qualified teams are og vp falcons nouns and azure so yeah that's pretty that's pretty stacked yep uh speaking of aurora Probably, uh, probably happy that they got directly invited because they have been getting clapped in the qualifiers they just played. And uh, if I can move on to ESL Birmingham, that is. Is that how you actually uh, say it, by the way? Birmingham? Yeah. Yeah. You don't say Birmingham. I think that's very American. <laughs> it, it is very. <laughs> I think you just say Birmingham. Birmingham. I yeah, feel like the that. H, the H is I, just. I understand. Silent. Okay. I understand um, saying Birmingham sounds awful. But Birmingham, yeah. for an American to say, does sound a bit weird. Birmingham. Bur what about Birmingham? What about Birmingham? It's in between. Okay, that's why I'm going to go with Birmingham. Okay. Okay. So, go ahead. Uh, the qualifiers for ESL1 Birmingham have concluded. Uh, just yesterday, I think the final regions uh, completed their qualifiers. And this was a seven-region qualifier stage uh, because ESL has included MENA as its own region. So therefore we go from six to seven. Um, I'll just quickly go over who qualified and what the biggest stories are. So from North America, the qualifying team will be Shopify Rebellion, who to nobody's surprise ended up facing nouns in the finals. And that was a 3-2 where they kept alternating wins. So uh, exciting stuff, but Shopify do to qualify over nouns this time i believe nouns qualified over them for bet boom dacha i think shopify also played that qualifier so it seems to be quite a bit of rivalry there the teams are very close so that's good south america the qualified team from there will be heroic which is the same org as the heroic org from ds2 if you're watching that at all mm -hmm. uh, which is a little bit of a weird fit because heroic has a at least had a fully Danish team in CS2 and was kind of 
My guess, if I had to guess, Cinderin, mm-hmm. is that they're dipping their toes. Yeah, maybe. One of the cheapest regions would be South America just to see. And then if they like what they see, maybe they invest more into South America or they go for yeah. a big boy European team or something like that next time. And this was basically the opposite story, kind of, for a five-game series of the North American one, because instead of alternating games, Boom, who they faced in the finals, Boom has uh, a couple of familiar names, Pakaz and Panda, probably the most recognizable ones for most people, whereas Heroic have K1 and Schofield as probably their two most recognizable players from the region. Um, Heroic lost the first two games, and then they reverse-swept and these games were relatively fast. There was an average playtime of like 38 minutes uh, for all five games. So, uh, yeah, congrats to Heroic. They make it out of there. Uh, another region where the top is very close. Then we move on to Europe, where the finals was OG against Tundra. And it feels like OG has been beating Tundra every game recently. Uh, but Tundra somehow figured it out. And they won 3-1. to one. And there was a clip of nine class in the final game, just all chatting just better or something like a bit of spice. And people were like, oh, no, Seb is going to lose his shit. And he essentially just went out and (laughs) tweeted winners get to talk. You know, he just he took it in stride. So that was very good to see. Um, (laughs) I I think his attitude has always been that if you're if you're the winner, you get to, you know, you get to celebrate, you get to be cocky and show off. So he's he's always been. I kind of wanted to talk about that a bit. What is your Mm -hmm. I mean? This might be a boring talk because we probably have the exact same opinion on it. What, what do you think about that? Do you think that teams should be penalized for that kind of stuff? Do you like the idea of encouraging it? Do you think it's good for the scene in some ways? I could see um, kind of both sides a bit. I, I think it's really difficult to give a generic answer to that because I think it can go so far that you should be penalized for it. But I think in Dota, for the most part, it's relatively soft, right? Like yeah. in the pro scene. Uh, some of the shit that happens in uh, like in physical sports can be way worse than what we were experiencing in Dota. And sometimes the outrage that some fans have about it is honestly a bit surprising to me. I mean, it is at the end of the day, it is a show. It's entertainment for people watching. That's why the whole yeah. scene exists. And stuff like that creates stories. So, I mean, that doesn't mean I personally would go and be a dick in all chat. But I understand why some people do it, and I do think it's good for the game in moderation. Like, th- there are things you don't say, and there's things you don't do. And if you do them, I think you should be penalized. But I can't think of a celebration that crossed the line for me in Dota, where I'm like, okay, man, that's just fucked up. You know, that's not okay. Or, you know. So. Yeah, I'm I'm a bit torn on this yeah. because, on one hand, like you said, I think it is good for the game to have like these type of rivalries, like passionate players. And if you want to put yourself out there and mm-hmm. be cocky and come off as a fucking douchebag, that is more than okay. And I think that's actually good to have that type of thing mm-hmm. in Dota, especially when there's, like you said, in other esports, it's much more prevalent. Like CS is way more common for stuff like this to happen. And it makes it yeah. so much more juicy in the end. So I can understand that side. On the other side, it really reminds me of the like lakers fans which i fucking despise beyond anything else because the worst i think the worst quality in a human being just from a personal level is being a lakers fan 
Well, of course, but part of being a Lakers mm. fan is winning when everything's rigged to your favor anyway, so that's a little side note. But you, you win, and then you you feel the need to brag about it. I think that makes mm. you a fucking douche nozzle, personally. I think it's good for the game to have stuff like that, but I would never be a fan of anybody that's like that. Like It's just very annoying. I guess my concern with this is not so much about basketball, um, <laughs> but more the... Um, I think if the analogy stands, right? (laughs) Yeah, it does because my concern with this is if pro players act like quote unquote douche nozzles, how much that spills over into the average pub game. Because I think, you know, people draw inspiration from different things. And I think there's a very big difference for me in, you know, showmanship. And I don't know if that's the right word, but um, in this kind of context of, you know, putting on something for show for the fans versus normalizing the behavior in every context in a pub game, right? Where people just start being cocky and toxic for, oh, it's it's what my idols do, right? You know, you know what I mean. Uh, and then it's back to the good old classic. What was that good old ad from the was it eighties or nineties? This is actually a basketball ad that I know with the one, or maybe it's from the yeah, I think it's from the nineties, probably the one with I'm a, I'm an athlete. Raise your own kids. Who was it? Was it? Oh my was that God, Michael Jordan? <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking about the "I'm not a role model" commercials yes. with Charles Barkley, yeah. who was on the Phoenix Suns at that time? That's right. Talking about a Suns player in front of me, and he said right. Michael Jordan. You didn't quote it correctly, for God's Bro, sake. I paraphr—I paraphrased Jesus it, and I got the Christ. essence of it right. Okay. <laughs> Can Look, you, if you name another player? I don't know basketball. Here you fucking go. I don't care that I got it wrong. I have <laughs> talked about basketball so much. I bet our viewers that know nothing about basketball that have listened to me as you have can name they more basketball players than you. They would not have known that ad was Charles Barkley. They would not have. Maybe that. not, but they could name more no. players than you. Period. Because they I mean, pay attention okay. and they care, Cinderin. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't think. Jesus Christ. Terrible friend. Uh, Just terrible. I care about you, but I don't care about First, basketball it's the NBA, much. and I... then you tell me I can't visit you in Denmark. You banned me from the yeah, country I'm entirely. Actually, Unbelievable. Yeah. All right. I actually contacted the authorities <laughs> and I said, if somebody <laughs> at the border comes with this name, you have to deny them entry. Yeah. I was expecting. And they it. said, yes, master. Wow. You have um, that's good to hear. Thank yeah. you, Cinderin. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, so that's the that was not all the regions because we rudely interrupted me talking oh. about basketball. So that was Western Europe. <laughs> oh, we needed the NBA In segment Eastern at some Europe, point. So Eastern Europe had two slots. As a matter of fact, I think this was the only region that had two. Right? Yeah. I. Uh, I guess. Wait. Why was that actually? Hang on, I have to quickly take a look here. Uh, there's four teams invited from the leaderboard, of which one was Betboom. I don't actually know why Eastern Europe got two slots. Uh, but they did. Okay, I, I owe you uh, some elaboration on that, but I don't know why. So the Eastern European qualifiers was two qualifying teams. Uh, the winner was Spirit. Surprise, surprise. Um, they won the finals, the upper bracket finals, two to one against Virtus Pro, who still are looking great, honestly. Um, and then they had to play the lower bracket finals against, I don't know how to say this, I think it's Klimsanich or something like that. And they actually lost two to one again 
So Virtus Pro twice were one game from qualifying and failed both times. So Klim Sanic, most notable player for international audience, is probably Sweden Strong, who played for Navi last season. Um, but yeah, looking at the names, very impressed with them actually qualifying out of this region. I would have not expected that at all, uh, looking at the competition here. But there you go. They're on a bit of a heater. Um, so congrats to them. They're going to be playing in Birmingham in mm, April, May, I think it is. Uh, MENA. Falcons do it again. This time it was harder. They beat Quest 3-2 to two in the Grand Finals. Uh, and uh, I guess it should be mentioned in this region because there's so much talk about Enigma Galaxy, and we talked about them on the podcast, the new roster as well. Uh, they do seem to be improving uh, after they added FBZ and Matthew. I think they're playing better, but still, uh, they were not good enough to match the level of Quest... Or I should say maybe, because the games were actually pretty long, but they did lose 2-0, but it wasn't like they got rolled uh, like a couple of weeks ago. There's so I would like say always like three threads a day about them that are uploaded. Yeah. People are obsessed. I mean, it, yeah. And I mean, I understand it, right? You have, a, you have a roster with a couple of TI winners and potentially the biggest star of the game of all time, or two of them even, Miracle and Samael, right? So people have very high standards and expectations for them. Uh so if you're not able to qualify out of the region, then that is already considered a massive failure, and it keeps happening, right? Uh, but I will say they're improving, and I do think, given some time, if they stay together, that this team has the potential to start making international tournaments again. Uh, but yeah, congrats to Falcons. They win 3-2 to two against Quest in the final series. Very short games. Uh, what's the average playtime here? It's like 34 minutes or something. Very quick. Uh, the longest game in the Grand Finals was 45 minutes. So, yep, that's MNA From China, we had <laughs> an absolute fucking marathon of a series. Uh, I believe this one was captured or covered by MLP and John X Fire, who had uh, a full night of work ahead of them, it turns out, because this one also went five games between Azure and G2IG. But these games as is tradition in China, were much longer. First game was 83 minutes, and the fourth game was 108. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, and the shortest game was 44. So the shortest game of the, t of the, five, uh, the BO5 finals here was as, as long as the longest game of the Hope Western. they got paid overtime. Yeah, I don't know, man. This was crazy. Uh, especially the fourth game was just fucked up, man. Um... But G2IG win, 3-2. to two. Uh, So unfortunately, my favorite person, my personal favorite in the Chinese scene, Faith Beyond, will not make it. He loses out by one game. He plays for Azure as Bach, the composer, as his nickname. Uh, but hopefully next time. And of course, Azure will be in Dubai. So he will get to show off his skill there. And finally, from SEA, this was the whole segue I was actually going for, and then I forgot to follow up on it when I was talking about Aurora being invited to Bedboom Dacha. Uh, this team is kind of supposed to, on paper, be the best team in the region in SEA. This is 23 Savage, Armel, Jabs, Q, and Ollie. So the same roster that was Talon last year, uh, and Talon was getting multiple top-tier international finishes, like top threes. Um, but they're just getting owned they didn't make it past round one 
They lost 2-1 to Neon, and then they lost 2-1 to Execration. So they didn't even win a series. Uh, whereas, funnily enough, the winner of the entire region was the new Talon, who we were like, I don't know, man. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. the roster got announced. We're like, you know, these are some up-and-coming... Like, there's some familiar faces and some up-and-coming players here. We don't really know how good they're going to be. Talon are definitely getting a cheaper team here. Let's see how it goes. Well, they got to thread and that there. shit all over them right when it was announced. Yeah, people were wow. like, oh my god, Talon, you know? Yeah. Talon rust lost in round one to Geek Fam, and then they won everything from the lower bracket on. 2-1 against Mag Indonesia, 2-1 against Bleed, and then they never lost a game again. 2-0 Execration... 2-0 Neon, and 3-0 Geek Fam in the finals. And honestly, it wasn't even close. So, what do you know? Good signing for this, at least. Uh, they are going to be in Birmingham, and they're playing really well right now. So, that roster is Akashi, Chuen, WS, Jokum, and Ponyo. Um, exciting. Curious to see them play on LAN later this year. In Birmingham. Yeah. In Birmingham. Birmingham. So that's the qualifiers completed for ESL one. Um, I guess the biggest storyline here, probably for me, is the Talon win. Honestly, I think that's the most surprising one overall. The Talon win and the uh, the second qualifying team from Eastern Europe in I already forgot the name because it's so weird. Klim Sanich or however you say it. Um, it's always cool to get new teams and new players on land. It's always a cool experience to see them. Uh, see how they perform under pressure, just see them on camera. Uh, so it'll be fun. Yeah, and it yep. should be, uh, I would assume, hype crowd. UK is known for yep. having some hype crowds. Oh, yeah. Dan talked a lot about that last episode. A lot of drunkards, which would lead to the, the noise, of course, which is good. Yeah. Love to see that. Well, I just realized your next thing on the agenda, <laughs> I actually kind of already went over now. That's right. Which was the good job. It was OG shit talk yeah we just combined it okay. all so that wasn't really yep. a it was a good segue hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, so next topic for Dota is something that was kind of talked about. We've talked about in the past a bit. There was a tweet from Celery uh, saying, quote, trying to play Dota with my teammate Ace. In the past, we played together on Smurfs. I won't defend Smurfing. It's good that it's banned. Are we allowed to play together outside of tournament games and team practice? Dota 2, please let us play the game together. So <clears throat> I believe this is, Preach. A, this is a screenshot of them in queue for at least an hour, I think. I did not blow it up all the way. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think most people would agree, including the pros in this case, that the banning of Smurfs is a good thing. 
So yep. now there needs to be a solution for things of this nature where you can't play with each other. And I know this is a lot of work, Cinderin. Maybe mm -hmm. it's not. I don't know. Tough to say. I feel like, and this is something that we've talked about a long time ago, and then just nothing has happened, uh, is an in-house league. So I know that yep. there, there have been in-house leagues in the past with like third party, like IX Mike made one for a while. And I think- Face it, had the, one. Right, the <laughs> issue with that is you, well, honestly, there's a lot of issues, but the main one that's gonna be the main issue that keeps people away is that people wanna increase their actual MMR. Mm -hmm. So having an in-house league built into the Dota client for the immortals slash, you know, past a certain rank or whatever, I think could be extremely valuable. But the problem is it requires requires Valve, right? But aside from it, it requiring does, Valve, do you think that that would solve a lot of issues? Yes. Um, but I think if I were to guess, I think the way Valve would look at that is the amount of work it takes to implement this compared to how many people it benefits is not worth it. Yep. That's probably going to be their angle. And it's kind of hard to argue with that because it probably takes quite a long time to implement this and make it functional. And how many people are going to reap the benefits? Like, let's say it's a thousand, which is even generous because top thousand in Dota, the difference between this thousandth, thousandth, wow, that's really hard to say, ranked player and the top 10 is enormous. So, but let's just say it's top thousand that get to play in this in-house league. Um, a thousand people in the Dota population is nothing. It's absolutely nothing. So if you're making these very elaborate systems to benefit this few people, um, I mean, I wish they would do it because I think it's a really good idea and I think it would be good for the scene. Um, but I think that their perspective on it would be that that's just too much effort for so few people. But mm -hmm. uh, if they don't want to do that, I think the very least you can do is maintain the current MMR system you have and implement a way to party queue. The problem was, what they ended up doing a while back was if you party queue, it would set the average MMR of the party to the highest rated player. Uh, so let's say the threshold for how you can even queue together is a gap of, I think, 2,500 is the maximum distance that can be between the highest and the lowest in the party. Uh, so you could have a 10,000 player queue with a 7,500 player. And then if you queue together, it would say the party's MMR is 10,000, now you're queued. This was before Immortal Draft existed, so you were guaranteed to be on the same team when you queued. Uh, and you would, on average, probably you should lose MMR because unless the 7.5k player was actually a smurf, whatever synergy you guys had together would probably, on average, not cover the 2,500 MMR difference, right? Mm -hmm. That It needs quite a bit to cover that. So... The bigger concern with this was how it was being used to boost in lower ratings than Immortal. So if you're allowing 6k to queue with 3.5, then all of a sudden the 6k player will be crushing um, the games if it was... Okay, let me elaborate here. Originally, I think it was the average. So it just took the average of the two players. So let's say 6k queues with 3.5, you meet 4,750 game. How much the 6k player crushed in that game more than made it up for the 3.5 players' uh, deficits. So that effectively was boosting, where my argument is, in High Immortal, I think it's negligible, comparatively, um, if you queue like that. But maybe it's still a concern, and maybe it's still a bigger deal than I think it is. So what they did was just, okay, if you guys want to play together, it's fine, but we're setting the party's MMR to the highest of the player. What this does is, for example, let's say Celery queues with Ace, and Ace has always been playing, or as long as I can remember, has been playing on a Smurf, and now he started playing on his main. And his main is rank, 
don't know, like rank thousand, but he's way better than that. Like Ace is one of the best players in the world. So when they queue together, I believe their MMR in the current system gets set to that of Celery, which is, I think, top 100. Mm -hmm. So it's very hard for the matchmaker to find a game where they are in the same... They're not even guaranteed in the same team. That's what's so stupid about it, right? Then they get in the game and they have to be drafted together. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. After playing this system for a couple of months now, for me, Immortal Draft is kind of a failed experiment. I personally, if I could choose, I would just go back to old Immortal and allow people to party queue and be guaranteed in the same team and then not have the drafting system we have at all. Uh, I don't really think it has proven to be that big of an upgrade. I think what you can do is do the old system where people queue however they want, and then you can select a role, even in High Immortal, and then when you get in the game, it's highlighted as preferred role, which is essentially what happens in Immortal Draft now. Anyway, people get picked based on preferred role, but sometimes there's 10 core players in the same game and somebody has to play support mm. anyway, uh, or vice versa. There are games with like eight supports, and then... You know, somebody has to play core. So just throw them in there, have them choose their preferred role, and then let people figure it out in the teams who plays what. Um, I think that already goes a long way because the problem in the past was that people didn't have a marked role and then maybe you didn't inherently instantly agree on roles or figure it out. If it's just visually there, that would already help. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with this a lot from Celery. Uh, I personally would love to party queue more. Uh, I think the game is more fun if you're playing with a friend and we just can't find games. So the way I try to play with Kezo is that we count down and then we queue at the same time and then we hope we get in the same game. <laughs> and then if we get in the same game, we hope we get in the same team. Right. Like that's literally how it goes. It's like you're jumping through three hoops to hope to play with a friend. I feel like to me, that's just a massively flawed system to begin with, that that's what you have to do. Yeah. So if I recognize it's difficult and again... Whatever solution they come up with, this is catered to the few, right? Because to 99 players, this doesn't matter. Um, so, But obviously the pros are vocal and they have a lot of following. So hopefully something happens. And but. I know this was part, it's not a, I mean, kind of the same thing on, in the terms of like the Smurfs and whatnot. There was another dialogue about how Smurfing makes sense for pros to be able to hide strats, which... I don't yeah. know if I agree with that take. This what, was what Grubby's take, right? Right, and I think it makes sense in other games. I yes. feel like Dota, it does not translate the same way. Am I? you agree with that? Yeah, so I think the main analogy that Grubby was drawing was from back in when he was playing pro in Warcraft 3, and he said the pros would play on Smurfs all the time because they needed to hide their strategies for tournaments. Mm. The difference in Dota is that Yes, you can to an extent hide part of your pub, uh, your pub training regime with like which heroes you're playing the most and what you're best at. But honestly, at the end of the day, almost all of the pro Smurfs are known anyway. So I, I don't really think there's that much hiding going on. And regardless, the vast majority of actual strategy happens in scrims, and that's behind closed doors. So I personally would way rather do what they did and just level the playing field, say you can't smurf in pubs and all of your real strategy happens in pro in, uh, in scrims. And like you can inch out a little bit of advantage on knowing the opposing players a little bit better than they know yours from a pub 
playing hero perspective, but honestly, in the grand scheme of things, I think compared to Warcraft 3, it's negligible. It's like a different order of magnitude. So mm. if, if you could get access to scrims, that's a different story. That's where it gets really bad. But uh, those are obviously private. I mean, that's the so. big brain of Kuroki. Don't play pubs at all. You have no info. Yeah. Right? I mean, honestly, <laughs> all of this talk about him, I, I don't know what account he plays pubs on, but there's no way you play at a high level and play pubs at all. It's just not. Yeah, I, not. I took that with a big grain of salt. Like, if he, okay, if that's don't. happening, though, first of all, impressive that you're even remotely functional as a human being mm. in, in these Dota games, but there's no way that can be a thing, right? I refuse to believe that. Yeah, I, I would be. I would say if there's any pro player playing at a tier two and above level, even tier three and above level, and they don't pub, I I kind of just don't believe that your teammates would keep playing with you. You know, yeah, exactly. Like you're not taking it seriously enough. You're not practicing enough. You're not trying hard enough to get better. Because um, this is a game that is so ever evolving that you need to constantly have your finger on the pulse, and that's not just with strategy. It's also with the, the play itself and having naturalness. Uh, I'm sure you can I'm sure you can agree to this. If you don't play Dota for a week and you play again, it's like, well, oh, it feels you know, awful, yeah. Because things just move at that pace. So you might not be up to date with the meta of what people are playing, or you might not be up to date with which items you buy, or you might not be up to date with the flow of the game. And all of those things evolve dynamically all the time. So if you if you take a break, you need time <laughs> to recover. Um, so yeah, if you're playing seriously on a pro level, that's just not a thing. So. All right. All right. Moving on to our final two topics, which are not Dota related. Uh, apparently Valve made a billion dollars from CS cases last year. Uh, I wanted to talk about this briefly and a lot of it came because of CS2, which <laughs> I believe, and you guys can correct me in the comments if I'm wrong, but I've been playing a lot of CS2. None of the chests in CS2 are new. That's the crazy part to me. I don't believe anything has been added that's uh, new. That sounds right, probably. It is all old chests, old shit. They've made a billion dollars, mm -hmm. and I think this, for gamers, is really bad news. <laughs> because, first of all, their, their entire system, I don't understand how this has become popular. It's crazy. It's literally just gambling. That is somehow legal in most countries. Did you just say, I don't understand how gambling became popular? Is that what you just said? <sighs> yeah, that was pretty stupid. I mean, well, I no, mean, okay. I also don't understand why gambling is popular in general. That's just a personal fair? thing, okay. though. Like, I, I don't yeah. get what the draw is personally. But apparently, but when you know people... that it's big, it's not surprising that a gambling system will be popular. That's right? true. The thing that's crazy, though, is that even compared to the Dota system, that getting mm -hmm. anything actually worthwhile, do you know how much money you have to put into the game to get anything? It's fucking crazy. I don't even think they have, like, these, the, what are the odds in Dota called again? The Escalating odds? Yeah, they, I don't think they have escalating odds of any kind. CS has the uh, trade-up contract, which is the one that Dota got inspired by yeah, for exactly. their last chest, where 10 of a lower quality gives you one of the higher one. That's where it comes from. It's a CSGO system. Yeah. Um, so it's, again, I'm going to say this. I have played CS more than most people that have lived. And this is with 10 years of not playing CSGO. I still have played more than most people. I have never purchased a key for 
Like the only time I would spend money on cosmetics in CS is through the marketplace. I just, if I know I want something, I'll yeah. pay for it. Fine. Would never mm. open chests. It's literally useless to me. I don't get how, I don't get it. But apparently it's mm -hmm. very popular. They made a billion dollars. And I think this is, they're just going to double down on the same idea. And I don't know what's Dota, what Dota is making by comparison. Obviously it's not going to be remotely close because skins no. are not nearly as cool. Uh, or even just the, the chests in general just aren't as popular. But it's probably bad news for Dota because they're just going to continue with the same system that they've been using, which yeah. if people weren't buying them at all in Dota, then they wouldn't be doing it, but people are. So, and that makes me sad because now I can't, <laughs> I can't open chests. I just get I it on the marketplace or some shit. There, there's something inherent about skins in CSGO, which is, I think, the fact that you have them every single game. Yeah. Um... In Dota, if you have a really cool skin for a hero, you need to play that hero in that specific game. It needs to not be banned, and it needs to not be picked by the other team. And it's a game where your hero isn't always going to be good. In CS, your AK is always going to be good if you're good. Um, and that's probably also why stickers are extremely popular in this game and are absolutely not popular in Dota. And I, it feels like Valve are really trying to find the sticker equivalent for Dota, like how they can do it. They've tried sprays, they've tried stickers, they've tried voice lines for the teams, they've tried all sorts of stuff, but the numbers that people are reporting in CS for sticker sales are... I, I can't even put into words how much it's dwarfing what the pro players get in Dota from cosmetics. It's nothing. Um, it was actually very interesting. There was this video I saw a couple of weeks ago. I, I think it was by... I think Sticko made it. Uh, S-T-Y-K-O, you've probably heard of him. Um, in CS, and I think he plays for Team Apex, if I'm not mistaken. Let me just make sure. Uh, yes, so he's played for Apex uh, until recently, at least. No, he still plays for them. Okay. Um, he did a breakdown of his earnings, which is very rare. He did it for educational purposes on his YouTube channel. Um, mm -hmm. He did a breakdown of the earnings of a pro CS player, and did a breakdown of this is how much I made this year. And then there were certain things he couldn't go into full details about how much was from stickers because that was against terms of service. He couldn't disclose I made this much money from stickers. <clears throat> mm -hmm. But effectively what he kind of did was he was like, this is what I made from everything else. <laughs> so, so what are the so, numbers? So, you know, it's, it's not very difficult to, to figure it out. And he made a, I think... If I remember correctly, if you ballparked it, even without taking the exact numbers into account, he probably made between two to three hundred thousand dollars in sticker money from Team Apex. Mm -hmm. um, which is why it's such a big deal for these teams to make the majors. It's not even because of the trophy and the chance of winning the title. It's because if you make the major, your year is secured because yeah. the stickers to sell fucking crazily well uh dota just doesn't have that equivalent and dota you make the major great now get top three you know <laughs> um yep pretty much in cs make the major you're good to go so yeah uh that that was an eye-opener for me because i knew there was a lot of money in it but i was like holy shit Sinran, right? we got into the wrong That's game actually you want to roll back time and get into counter-strike with me we can make millions somehow
by yes. being pro players. Well, no, or, we wouldn't be pro players, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I also believe the talent in CS gets played significantly more, but I also think, you know, their, their tournaments just have bigger viewership and bigger sponsorships. So that's just, I guess, a natural part of it, right? Anyway, back to the chess thing. But I, I we think can, we can go. We can go cast CS. Okay. My my, uh, I feel like, and I know there's been some preliminary studies done. There's been some YouTube videos that I've watched. I really wonder if, like, years down the road, we're gonna see some hard data to kind of showcase how much harm this kind of a system has mm -hmm. on kids. I guess. Because again, right. I know I'm an old guy at this point, but it just blows my mind that this is popular. It blows my fucking mind. And I can understand from like, you know what? Who gives a shit? Who cares what no, I think? I'm no, just an old man being cranky. But I, I no, feel like I this has really think... damaged, uh, it's damaged video you are, games. You are definitely not the only person who thinks that. Um, my question is, do you think loot boxes as a concept should be banned or do you think there should be different regulation i i haven't really like sh given it much thought i, f I feel like should you the way should that, you have like a con a, the way that dota like, did example, chest i had no problem with until the key system i i just hate this system because it's literally gambling that's it it's like there's no if ands or buts about it right before you could argue that it's a different form of it maybe but it's not mm -hmm. literally just gambling like you can see the odds you can see it escalating whatever now it's right. literally just rng yeah you can do your mm -hmm. shitty ass trade-ups okay what is like you still have to spend thousands of dollars to actually make use of it to get something worthwhile you know mm -hmm. but i mean the funny thing is like the, like if i want something in one of these chests i'm just gonna buy it off the marketplace i'm gonna buy it off of somebody that spent thousands of dollars doing it for me so in a way it doesn't really affect me personally because i'll just buy mm -hmm. it anyway for what it's probably worth but right. i don't imagine how many people like have wasted paychecks or been addicted to this shit i have fucking no idea yeah i i think for me the biggest concern with this that you raise is the lack of moderation right so that there is no cap and there's no age limit so i th i personally think one way to go about this is to but this is where it gets complicated right because let's say um how do you verify the age of a player on steam right if you want actual verification so that let's say you're selling this product and let's just entertain the idea that the eu says uh to buy loot boxes you need to be 18 right mm. how do you do that how do you enforce that in an online environment either you have to have the Chinese credit in, system. <laughs> you need to have people send in, I mean, essentially you need to have people send in legal documents, right? Mm. You need to have people send a copy of their passport or a copy of the driver's license or whatever to prove their identity, which means that the companies that are offering the service of selling crates or whatever needs to have a division in the company that does ID checks <clears throat> for every user that wants to buy a box, um, which you could just say that's their problem. And I kind of would agree with that. It's like, okay, you guys want to make money selling crates? You have to go through the hassle of, of doing the IDing, just like online gambling sites or poker sites, for example, have to do, where you, if, you need to, if you make an account and you need to submit an ID uh, to prove your age, then there you go. In a, in a way, it's no different, but in a way, it's very different. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's a video game, you're buying a crate, but the problem is there's zero moderation and people can get completely hooked on it. 
So I don't know. It's 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 complicated. I think I, I don't know if there is yeah, an it, elegant solution to it, but I think the current version is not right. Is what else? And say. on top of that, from me, from my perspective at least, another reason that them making a billion dollars just from this old case in CS2 essentially is going to mm-hmm. hurt the game is because there's going to be more complacency from the devs. They're making all this money. The game is in a complete dog shit state. I went on a rant how many weeks ago about how they haven't updated mm-hmm. anything. It's still fucking garbage in so many ways. It's like if I was a dev on this team, I would genuinely be embarrassed with what is out there this many months after release. And mm-hmm. it's not in beta or anything like that. Like it is embarrassing that when I play the game that I've been playing for 20 plus years, part of me is like, man, I wish Valorant just didn't have abilities. Because I would be literally playing that game because it just feels better in every other fucking way. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they've made this much money doing literally nothing, just old shit in a new game, new game, like I feel like there's a complacency issue. And I would love to eat my words that they've been making some giant update, but I don't think that, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's been, you, I've been a long time. You played CSGO on release, right? It was terrible then, yeah. It took them I'm two seeing years. a lot of... I, I'm seeing a lot of the comments about CS2 where people are like, this game is shit, come on, get your shit together, Valve. And people are like, were you not there for CSGO release? It was very bad for a long time and eventually they came around. Yep, Source as well. My question my question is, why does that have to happen every time? I, I If it can't. happens for Source, it happened for CSGO, and now it happens for CS2. At some point, you would think you're learning <laughs> some fundamentals Do you that think any you of the devs... Implement that worked on source are still working on cs that's the maybe the I mean, issue that's that's the thing like maybe my perspective on it is just flawed because it's not the same team whatsoever everybody has been replaced so the new people need to make it's kind of like what shane said on last episode about organizing events where the new people need to make mistakes they need to learn mm. the same way the old crew did through by going through the fire and just step by step figuring things out um which, if that is the case, that is a shame because effectively you're just wasting a ton of manpower that you already had done and they need to go over the same mistakes again. Now, I understand innovation is going to take come at a cost, right? Like they're trying this sub-tick system stuff. And if you're doing something new, I'll cut you a lot more slack because, you know, you're trying something, it's bold, it's it can be very hard to implement new things. I get that. But some of the core elements that you made work in two previous games that you spent months and months and months perfecting why are they so flawed in the new one that's what i don't get you know like, like so when source i'm not came a programmer out, so i don't fucking know like maybe it's super hard but when source came out and, so 1.6 was obviously very popular source came out mm-hmm. and it split the community some people like me just switched because honestly that's what you're used to doing when a sequel came out at that point like it wasn't like before mm-hmm. or it wasn't like recently where a new call of duty or a new whatever comes out every fucking year and it's just like rehash version or whatever like a sequel mm-hmm. means okay we're moving to that game so i did that it took them two years to fix hitboxes like the hitboxes were extremely bad after two years i personally would say the game was better than 1.6 but it was too late at that point the communities were completely split then csgo comes out doesn't really matter how bad it is because 1.6 is so old at that point. People don't want to stick around with Source. They come out with mm. actual matchmaking. That's what did it. And then gambling, yeah. aka chess. That's what killed, or I shouldn't say killed. That's what transitioned people from 1.6 and Source to Go. The game mm. in Go, though, was shit for two years, like you said. 
so many imbalances. The problem is like there's so many things like I'm not going to go on this tangent again, Cinderin. This is opening up a new can of work. There's a lot of things they can fix that are very easy to fix. I'm not saying the sub tick mm -hmm. system is easy. Although mm -hmm. turning on 128 tick server is easy. Yes, because that existed <laughs> for how many years? So technically it is an easy fix in, in some ways. But yeah, I, I read this headline, the $1 billion thing. It blew my mind because it's the old shit, just rehash stuff. And that mm -hmm. it feels like there's not going to be any fire lit under Valve, the team that's working on CS to make CS2 any better. Maybe in you'd a year like and a to, half. You'd like to think that a decent amount of devs have some pride, right, in the products. At least that's what Valve are. They're priding themselves on putting in a lot of efforts into games and not releasing half-assed shit, which is why their games are delayed a lot a lot of the times or just mm. gets canceled if they don't like what it is. So they're not making, like, the next Call of Duty 7000, you know? Uh, so you can appreciate that, but... And they also don't have external shareholders, so they don't have to meet some sort of, you know, margins to have a successful year. That's up to them internally. Uh, I get what you're saying. I think that perspective that the devs are going to get lazy because it's making a lot of money, I do think is a bit different for Valve than other companies. I think I'm a little bit less worried about it from that perspective in general. Um, the question is just, if the game is doing well enough, are Valve going to dedicate enough manpower to it compared to working on new other exciting stuff, right? That's mm -hmm. always going to be the internal pull in that company is that you can go work on something else. So if, if, CSGO, if CS2 is, is doing fine and you're like, oh, this other thing seems really exciting, like, are you keeping the team? Um, are they going to keep going through the grind of fixing their stuff if they can just be like, eh, you know, <laughs> I'll work on this other game. Oh, it's so. funny how there's so many downsides. Like you're talking about, they don't have shareholders and all that, and it's like, oh, that sounds great, but then there's major cons that come with it as well. There's pros and cons. They do that, whatever they sure. want. Like yeah. <laughs> that could be a very bad thing. I mean, ultimately, uh, Valve. You could, you could, if you want to be really pessimistic about it, Valve could be like, "Fuck it, we don't care. We have Steam." Like they could literally just say that and just do yeah. nothing forever. You know, yep. if if Steam is maintained, this company is mega profitable. Mm -hmm. Um. So they don't have to make games. I think they do it because they love it and because they think it drives... Obviously, it's profitable, right? Otherwise, they obviously wouldn't do it. But um, they aren't necessarily allocating resources where they make the most money, is what I'm saying. Where mm -hmm. I feel like other companies are doing that to a bigger extent. Valve is more willing to take risk and spend months and months and months on a game and then not release it, right? Because, oh, it didn't work out the way we thought. Or really let people be very creative, but also not necessarily hold them accountable in the same way if that makes sense so i don't know all right it's definitely last topic which we'll make quick is uh microsoft uh which acquired blizzard i believe officially finally uh, after many 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 god knows how many months of going back and forth and conceding a bunch of stuff to make sure there wasn't a monopoly or whatever uh they have canceled the blizzard survival game which i don't know if you guys even remember us talking about this a i couple remember years this ago. image there was a survival game, uh, Untitled, and they've just canceled it because they fired everybody on the team, essentially. And then on top of that, uh, there's more layoffs with the Overwatch and Call of Duty teams. Uh, reportedly, for their esports division of Blizzard, they laid off 60 out of 72 staff members. So 
according to this tweet, only 12 people remain on the esports side for Blizzard. Uh, your thoughts on all of this? Blizzard, Blizzard saw how popular Pal World is, and they were like, we should be more like Nintendo. <laughs> this makes... This spawns good games. Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I If I were to guess, I think the vast majority of Blizzard employees that were in the esports division were probably an umbrella term for Overwatch, right? That's my guess. So That's probably true. Th- I, I think that's just and natural. Overwatch I mean, obviously, their, and the writing's been on the wall for quite a while for Overwatch. Yeah, and it's possible that a lot of the people that stayed... Uh, have have stayed for a while kind of were like undefined what their actual tasks necessarily were going forward and they were maybe in limbo and then they couldn't figure out what to do and then ultimately the company doesn't have any point in it's funny in running that, that division i think overwatch is overwatch is going to go down as the most forced esport of all time can you yeah, think probably. of another game no that's crazy i cannot also because like what other who else has like tried to force an esport that you can think of it's like devs might you know offer prize pool set a tournament try to encourage people to play it professionally and and make it fun but not like make a full-on league with shareholders and teams and whatever Uh, i I just think it's unprecedented right there's no other game that has really tried that am i wrong some people are saying hots which is probably true to a degree I wouldn't say it's on the uh, same level as Overwatch League. Somebody's saying CS Source yeah. because of the CGS tournament, I'm assuming, but that wasn't... But that wasn't Valve. Right, that wasn't... Not only was it not Valve, but it wasn't just CS Source either. It was a compilation of games. It was like an Olympics yeah. almost, which I agree that was forced, but I feel like mm-hmm. never on this level. This has been such no. a huge blunder, and it, we said it from day one that <laughs> this was going to happen. It feels like, like, okay, big surprise. So here's the thing that... Uh, so Microsoft, when we heard about them acquiring Blizzard, we're like, okay, it can't be bad because mm-hmm. it couldn't get any worse, surely, for, for Blizzard on some level. Pretty much. Yeah. And I feel like when companies this large acquire other companies, there's going to be tons of turnover. So on yeah. some level, I guess I can understand it. Obviously, I feel bad for people that are losing their jobs. And my understand, or I shouldn't say I have an understanding, my guess is that a lot of these uh, positions will become available again with just new hires. Uh, I don't think the esports ones will. That's my guess. I think depends on what they, yeah, what games they. I mean, if yeah. it was mostly Overwatch, then yeah, of course. I, I just I think what it seems to be, or what I would assume is likely happening at Blizzard is that, uh, and Microsoft obviously is that you're starting to probably based on your track record feel like esports needs to handle itself and we make games that's my guess uh that doesn't mean there's full autonomy that esports get no support from the devs or whatnot but that you're likely not trying to run the show and organize it yourself internally but rather let the ecosystem itself do it uh, and then offer support where it's useful for you to to be a part of it uh, so I think if they had like 72 employees on the esports division, I don't see how Blizzard can field that now. Like, what would they do? What do those 72 people do? Right? Play Heroes of the Storm. Yeah. I, I mean, it's like, if you want to have that many people employed for an esports division, you genuinely need to run a league. Otherwise, you can't justify having 72 people working on it. Because, like, what what's their job? Mm. Right? It It just doesn't really make sense. So... 
Yeah, I think I I personally think Microsoft won't go down that route, uh, but we'll see. Um, Blizzard for Blizzard at least it it's hard to say it was a failure because they probably made bank right. It's everybody else that's fucked because we get to have a harder time finding big investors for esports because they all the ones that have a lot of money that were like, oh man, this is booming. Let's get mm. into Overwatch. They dipped their toes and they were like, wow, this sucks ass. <laughs> we're not going to put any more money into this. Yeah, That's what sucks about this. Uh, whether it was a success for Blizzard or not, don't really care that much personally, but I feel like the ripple effect will be way worse. So yep, that's totally agree. Okay, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Yep. Thank you for watching or listening, everybody. We appreciate you. Uh, like we said, the next few weeks... Uh, TBD on the episodes, right? Yes, TBD on Probably the to say. everything. Okay. Maybe recorded at a different time. We may have to skip a week altogether, depending on your availability primarily, right? Um, yes. We'll, we'll figure it out. I think week four and five should be relatively easy to do. Okay. But the next three weeks, up in the air. All right, thanks for watching, everybody. Until next time, Sunset Center signing out. Peace. We say things that don't mean Subscribe. anything. Subscribe. But thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.